Good evening, everybody. We are here with our first Q&A for the seventh month. God's goodness, His mercy, we came through six months of this year. Yes, Lord. We're starting the second half, and today is the first day, and we just want to thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We'll begin with prayer, and then we'll go to the questions. Father, this evening here, we just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Your loving kindness, your mercy. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank Thank you, you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Brought us through the first half. Only you. It was you, Lord. We just want to thank you, Father. Just thank you. Now, as we start the second half, we commit ourselves, our homes, our children, all our churches, everyone. We commit each one into thy hands, the safe and secure hands, Lord. Be with us through the second half, through this month, Lord. Now we commit this time into thy hands, all the questions we have. We pray for wisdom to answer, the anointing to rest upon all the hearers, O Lord, that it will continue to edify and strengthen us, that we will walk constantly in surrender as we sang, Lord. We have one heart, two hands, and this life. Oh Lord, to offer you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we'll start with uh, the first question, question number one. Even though the Bible is the history of God's dealings with man, most nations are not mentioned in the Bible. Why? The Bible is the history of God's dealings with man, generally speaking. But it actually, he deals with only some men. If you look from the book of Genesis onwards, not all men. So if you look at the old covenant, by the time the book of Genesis ends, you have the beginnings of Israel. It is all connected with the fall of man. That's what caused all the rupture. The fall of man and then the promise given. The promise is what is has to be factored. The promise is given in Genesis 3.15, right? Yes. The seed of the woman. Okay, so that is absolutely man-specific. The seed of the woman would bruise the heel, uh, sorry, the head of the serpent. So... So you need to realize, from there, the history of mankind takes a turn. Now, history will be connected to this promise. So you have it coming down the line of Seth, down the line of uh, Shem, and you have Abraham coming, because it's connected with this promise. So we are not looking at the history of other nations in the Old Covenant. The history that is connected to Jesus Christ. The coming of Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. The Bible is, is, like I said, from Genesis 1 to all the way to Revelation 22. If we don't get our focus right, we will get all our answers wrong. Like the book of Revelation, Revelation 1.1 says, this is the revelation of Jesus. Jesus Christ. 
Okay, the Bible is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes. That's why usually we get discouraged, depressed, because when we are reading <laughs> the Bible, we are looking for revelation of ourselves. <laughs> but we will not find ourselves outside Christ. If we find outside Christ, then we are headed for destruction. We are safe only in him. So the Bible is the history of Christ, how God traces it. So by the time you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you will see the separations taking place. You have Abraham, uh, two concubines, you want to put it that way, and Sarah, and you have so many children coming over here. But mm. it's through Isaac it is traced. Isaac has two, it is through Jacob. Jacob has twelve, the twelve become a nation. Now God is going to make a covenant with a nation called Israel. And in that co- in that covenant, you will see there is one tribe through whom his son will come, but different tribes have different functions. Now, mm. Israel's the old covenant is the history of Israel from Exodus onwards. So, any nation that is connected, it affects the history of Israel is mentioned. Otherwise, it is it it, it is not mentioned. Okay, because now God has a covenant with Israel. So the old covenant, the old 39 books you read, you will see nations being mentioned, but nations will have something to do with Israel. Israel. If it has nothing to do with Israel, then it will not mention. Okay, so you see the old whole covenant history, China has nothing to do with Israel. Though the Chinese empire was huge and massive and affected the Mongolians, time over the land and all, affected human history, it doesn't get a mention because they're not affecting Israel's history. Israel's history. But, uh, like, you know, India is only mentioned twice in the book of Esther in like basically boundaries mm. of somebody's okay japan is not mentioned japan and all were important in human history but they play no part in old testament history connected with israel then when jesus comes history changes now god so loved the world mm. he gave his only son so now you need to realize now post that god has two things he's working he's still working with israel because he's got a covenant You'll see that, no? The strongest uh, relationship you can have is covenant, a covenantal relationship. It is the most strongest relationship you can have on earth. You can have by word, by contract, all kinds of relationships are there. But the most powerful is a covenant. And God has made a covenant with Israel, so that will stand. It will not be erased. It will stand, that covenant with Israel. But now what has happened is God has brought his son and he's making a new covenant through his blood with anyone from any nation who believes. So now what happens is now history is connected with the church. Mm. It's not connected. The church has become, if you go to First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, Okay, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. The church itself becomes a nation, a holy nation. Okay, this holy nation composes of people from all every nation, nations, all, all nations. Nation. Gospel, wherever the gospel goes, people will be born again into this nation. That's what Paul is talking about. I am Indian, but my citizenship is of that nation, of that kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. Sami is here, he's Nigerian, but his citizenship is also of that kingdom. It is spiritual. So we are all connected by that spirit. 
So it's a holy, if you go to Revelation chapter 7, 9, if I'm right, chapter 7. From people from every nation, right? Yeah. Yes, 7, 9. Yeah, 7, 9. This is post-tribulation, okay, or tribulation time. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, yes. tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Okay, so if you see in verse 14, it says, he will ask this question, the elder will ask, who are they, where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. Okay, so he said, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. So you will see even those who come through tribulation, before that we believe the church is taken out. Okay, and then those who come through the tribulation are from every nation, every tribe, every tongue. So if the old covenant is basically history around Israel, because Christ will come through Israel. Post-New Covenant history is around the church. How we see on earth is not how God sees from heaven. Mm. Yes. See, how God sees from heaven, like in the Old Covenant when God saw, he only, he's only seeing, he's only seeing Israel. And he ignored the other nations because they had no covenant with him. But when the New Covenant comes, he says, now God will forgive you of the seasons of ignorance and he asks everyone, everyone everywhere. everywhere to repent and believe in his son. Mm. So history is basically one, primarily it is about Christ. Second, it is about Israel. And third, it is about the church. Amen. And when the times of the Gentiles are over, God will restart the clock with Israel again. Israel. again. Mm. And then, you know, the middle of the seven-year period, the Antichrist will show his true colors, turn against Israel, and all those things will happen. So that's how we have to read history. The way we'll, we'll get history wrong. It doesn't matter what textbooks they change and study and hmm. all. It's all irrelevant. In eternity, when we go, none of that is really history. The only history that matters is Jesus and his people. How did people react to the gospel? New covenant, old. How did people deal with his people called Israel. Amen. Israel, these two things. And the pattern is the same. When judgment takes place, if you look in the Old Covenant, if you look at Old Covenant history and post this thing history, if you look at it, every nation that was hostile and persecuted his people, Israel, he finished them off. In the same way, in the New Covenant, you will see when judgment takes place, every nation that persecuted his church, it will be terrible for them. Wow. It will be terrible for them because he has only he has only these two entities called Israel and the church, nothing else. But when it comes to Israel, it is 12 tribes. So James will write to the 12 tribes of Israel. They will also have many languages and all as they disperse. Yes. But when it comes to the world, the Gentiles, they are of every nation, peoples, they are called tribes and languages. So how we look at history and how God looks at history is it's not the same. It's completely different. That's why even when we pray, we pray for certain nations more than other nations because those nations have an impact on the church. Yes. Like when we pray for America. If America has a very strong, conservative kind of a government 
with a president who is pro-church. It has a rippling effect, effect yeah. around the world for the churches. Yes, yes. Because the protection comes. Yes, yes. Right now we have a wayward government over there and they are trying to put on their woke ideas onto all the other nations and stopping aid. If you don't do our LGBT abortion, this thing, then we will not give you money. But like the previous administration was very, very, very clear that no, first one of the first bills he signed was against funding abortion abroad. Okay, you don't, we don't even realize one bill which you sign. The actual statistics is that hundreds and thousands of children were born and they were not aborted because of one signature of a man. Wow. In Texas power. alone. Uh, recently, this week, there was, an, I think in Texas, one of the states where this new Roe versus, um, that after that, yeah, yeah 10,000 children have, have been born who would have been aborted otherwise. Wow. Power of governments or administrations to change. Okay, so you will realize, I, I, I heard uh, when uh, the Nigerian president had visited, I think it was a Nigerian a president. Kenyan, Kenyan president. Uh, no, no, not Kenyan. And I, when Trump was president, when the Nigerian president had visited, I think, the White House. The, yeah, he was a Muslim, yeah. Yeah, the rumor was that the first question in their private listing, the first question Trump asked is, why are Christians being persecuted in your country? Okay. And when in Turkey, remember the missionaries were arrested and to be and were jailed, sentenced over there. The first thing Trump said is release them. Other there will be economic sanctions. And what happened is the Turkish lira crashed. Within weeks they changed the judgment and released them. So that's why we pray for certain countries because it is church centric. Amen. We are not looking at economy. We are not looking at no it. Way. certain mm. countries have. Power to influence, mm -hmm. power to bring forth peace, power to influence policies. Therefore, why? Because our prayer has to be church-centric and also pro-Israel. Like the previous administration was the most pro-Israel and the most pro-church, pro-life administration. In the history of US. In the history of U.S. And U.S. has so much power, so much power mm -hmm. to influence, influence uh, what administrations Okay, that's 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 what we are talking about. So yeah. history, yeah. The the way they moved the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem was unprecedented. I mean, because promised, but every administration, promised. it was part of their policy. We will do it, but nobody had the courage to do it. So they were always scared the Palestinians would do something. When they did nothing, Trump said, "Move it, move it." That's it. <laughs> and move it. And what did they do? Nobody did anything. And he brought actually peace between Israel and the yeah. Middle East, the yeah. Abraham Accord. Abraham Accord. I mean, it's that's what it's basically. I mean, it's just the administration, like he said about, you know, he say, he talks about, like, I mean, it's policy. You know, he's talking about if I were president in 24 hours, uh, Russian and the Ukrainian uh, war, would stop. war would stop. And they would keep asking him, are you for Russia or Ukraine? It's just neither. I'm stop. I am against people being killed. It's innocent people who are being killed, which is true. Every war, it is innocent people who are being killed. You know? So the peace comes in. All countries do not have the power to bring peace. Only some countries have the power to bring peace. Therefore, we pray for those administrations because it has got to do with the church. We are church-centric and Israel-centric. Why? Because we belong to a God who has covenant with these two sets of people. He's got an old covenant with Israel and he has a new covenant with the church. So we, we, 
look at this. How does it? How does it help? So that's the history. Hmm. So history is not like we see. That's God's history, His Son's history. Because we, because we've been talking about uh, people from every nations uh, yeah. and tribes. Uh, I think the second question will be also very interesting. Uh, it says, uh, Pastor, when we reach God's kingdom, all the earthly relations, the saved ones, the biological families, relatives, friends, and good and good memories, all people share in this earthly life, do they still exist in God's kingdom? Apart from everyone being brother and sister, do we still have those earthly memories in the kingdom? Or are these relationships only for this life? Okay, let's see what Jesus answered. Okay, go to Matthew 22, if I'm right. Mm-hmm. Matthew 22, 20, 22, yes, okay. 22 verse 23 onwards. Yes, okay. It's a set of people who are very sad. <laughs> the same, <laughs> because if you don't believe in resurrection, of course you'll be sad. Okay. The same day the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him and asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Teacher, Moses said if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now they were they were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married, having no offspring, left his wife to his brother, likewise the second also, the third, even to the seventh. It's a trick question, okay? Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. It's exactly the question that is being asked. Whose wife is she was married to seven? Whose wife will be? Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken. <laughs> Not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. These two things. There are a lot of people who know scripture, but they don't know the power of God. There are others who know the power of God, they do not know scripture. Jesus says you need to know both. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. He says, when you, when you die, your soul, your spirit goes to heaven. Then you wait for the day of resurrection, you get a new body. But in that life, you do not have, that body is different. That's a body, like angels don't procreate. Mm. Okay, angels don't. That's why you have to have, that's why they were not supposed to procreate. Yes. That is why in uh, Genesis 6, uh, you have the sons of God and the daughters of men and there is terrible judgment, the demonic thing. No, So he's talking about here is, they will be like the angels of God in heaven. It will not be the same. It's okay. So, uh, also you need to realize from the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Okay, the rich man and Lazarus. Now you have another issue. This is a man who goes to hell. <laughs> okay. But you will see in this spiritual realm, there is no issues with memories. You remember, you know people whom you haven't seen either. He knows his father Abraham. And how many centuries later was he born and lived? But he recognized his father Abraham. That Lazarus is with father Abraham. He recognizes. You see, we are limited in this realm. We are limited in this realm because of this body and this material realm has its own limitations. But when you move on to the other realm, uh, we will have our memories. We'll have all of our memories. All, I do not know how much God will allow us to retain, what all he will erase, we do not know. But we'll have our memories. But the, pro- the, the issue is, 
Let me put across. It's, it's simple. The answer is there. Okay. In resurrection, they neither marry or nor given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. Okay. So you take any relationship on earth, any relationship, any on. You take sex, not gender, sex out. Every relationship becomes normal. Oh, yes. Have you noticed that? You yeah. just take sex out. Then every relation becomes, it's not a problematic. Mm. It's not problematic. The only thing that the greatest test is with sex. And when that comes in, then you have incest, you have fornication, you have adultery, you have homosexual, you have bisexual, all these sinful things come in because there is sex. But if sex is taken out, then you do not have all these issues. Mm. You don't have all these issues. And also, when you don't have these issues, you are actually able to have normal relationships without issues. But in this life, that is a test. Mm. That is a test you have to go through. Okay, that's a test you have to go through. In the other life, with the resurrection body, that is not there. It is not there. So we need to understand uh, relationship changes completely in the other realm. Mm. Changes completely, you know. You will be able to relate to anybody without the temptation to sin or guilt, any of those things, because one of the major factors is taken out. Mm. Is taken out. Another may what is like, you know, what is what is one of the major causes of man's fall is sexual immorality. Okay. Gibbon is the one who writes about the history of mankind. He says, every nation in human history was destroyed by God primarily because of sexual immorality. Every civilization crashed because of sexual immorality. So did Israel crash because of sexual immorality. That was the primary cause. So you need to realize that is also put there as a test. Can oh. you endure that? God says, that's your test. Mm. You endure that, you come through, and then you are an overcomer. Because you need to realize that, because they are bringing basically there. Yes. Okay? She was his wife, she was his wife, he was his wife, he was his wife, he was his wife. Now, wife means you had sexual relationship. Right? Mm. If she did not have sexual relationship with a the woman, then what is she? She's just like a sister or a friend. Right? So that is where it causes all the problems. But imagine in a new realm, the next life in it, the sex part is taken out. It's not there. Then what is it? Issue the relationship. There's no issue with the relationship. Mm. And on top of that, there is no power play and jealousy and envy and compet. All that is taken out. So relationships become so very easy. It is. Mm. It should have been that way if man hadn't fallen. It should have been that way. It would have been all those jealousy and all that wouldn't have been there. But that is how you have to look at how relationship is. So we will have memories without guilt. We will have memories without condemnation. Because that factor has been taken out. And that's Jesus' answer over here. Okay, That's answer over there. So the question is, is Sarah Abraham's wife? Yes and no. <laughs> she is Literally there he can say she's my sister. <laughs> and he won't be lying. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> okay, so because what cha- because now your life 
in eternity your life is going it's not going to be trapped by what you were on earth mm. that is your first birth your life is going to be trapped by your second birth from the day you're born again yeah. mm. it's a different thing mm. that's why your history begins with god mm. okay when i was born i was born of my dad and my mom and my siblings and all that but another day i was born again now that is a different entity altogether that entity's relationship with even with my wife mm. is that of a sister yeah absolutely okay it is that person mm. who will be standing tomorrow behind the pulpit and call sister elsa to pray otherwise it doesn't make any sense so how can i call her sister she's not my sister she's my wife but she's not my wife she's my sister mm. for the new man that's not my wife that's my sister okay so there is this new man and there is this old man now the question jesus is talking about in resurrection he's talking about the new man yeah what mm. The yes. new man doesn't have bro- doesn't mm. have wives the new woman does not have husband mm. she has only brothers and sisters it's only brothers and sisters that's how you have to see how relationship will change everything will change and you have only a father you don't have a mother you only have a father because we are born of god you have a father and you have an elder brother that is jesus Okay, so the whole family on earth, the Bible says, and Ephesians Paul says, takes its name from the Father. That's how it works. Because if you have a mother in heaven, then the problem is then you have to bring sex in. Mankind then is a result. Every human being born is a result of a union between a man and a woman. But every man that is born again is not because of a union about a male and a female. He is born of God. the spirit so he has only a father he does not have a mother mm. that is why people have issues with the trinity the father the son the spirit are all called masculine yeah. he the reason is uh, there is like all these gender issues we talk about it's not there because we're spirit beings mm. we're spirit beings so you don't have a gender issue there so the devil creates all this sexual fasty began with sexual issues then he has moved into gender issues you see that's what is happening okay and that is each of this you have to overcome and go understand his tactics this fellow is a crook is you know the serpent was most subtle okay very cunning so he knows and you need to look at it says okay you know, all this is temporary the sex is temporary gender is temporary all this is temporary this have no actual that relevance in eternity because what do you talk about an angel angel is uh, is male or female neither they are spirit beings the spirit beings okay so that's how we have to see and that's where relationships all will become normal without any issue hmm. abraham's wife sarah on earth is abraham's sister, sister in heaven all our brothers <laughs> all our sisters and god is the father it's a huge family and because we have crossed from this realm to that other realm and uh, in one of the other questions we will look at it how it will happen what what actually how these relationships will totally change mm. absolutely change no yet there will be memories of earth if there are no memories of earth 
both in Revelation chapter 7, yes. chapter 7, mm. verse 17 and 21. Yeah, 21 yes. and uh, 4. Yeah, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will be the shepherd, will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So they have memories. They have memories from earth. And he's wiping away their tears. This is tribulation, post-tribulation. Those who are coming out of tribulation. By the time you come to the new creation, that is 21.4, Revelation 21.4, Okay, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. Now, we have to understand, like I said, the book of Revelation is full of symbols and signs and symbols which cannot take it literally. Because if we take it literally, the illustration I used is in Matthew 13, Jesus says the kingdom of Mark 13, kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is not like a mustard seed, it's just a symbol. It grows up like a tree and fills up everything. So it does not mean God will come and he's got this huge handkerchief and he will be wiping everybody's tears. It's a symbol. It means he will do something. You know, like that, I'm telling you honestly, like even this evening, like, no, it's been 40 days since mom passed away. Like it was intense of weeks. But as time passes by, and I wouldn't even open my camera to the pictures where my mother was because I didn't want to see her face, okay? But after some time, as the grief goes down, 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 you are able to go back and enjoy the pictures of the same person without pain. Mm. That's what it means. See, there are memories and there is pain. What God will take is that he will take the pain out so you just have the memories. That's what happens on the other side. On the other side, you will be able to look back at life without pain. Without pain. Because he's dead. Without guilt. Without condemnation. Everything has been dealt with. All that is taken away. That's what he's talking about. There shall be no more death. If there is no more death, then there is no more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. All that. So you still may retain your memory of whatever God wants you to have. And, but you will be able to remember those things without sorrow, without crying, without pain. Reason? The former things have passed away and all things have been made new. There are certain things which I don't understand. Secret things belong to God. There are certain things which we don't understand. Like, like this question of rapture where it says two shall be the bed, one shall be taken away. How does that person reconcile about the loss in eternity of the other person who did not make it? I don't know. But I know God will handle it. I don't know how he'll handle it. You look at these verses and he will handle it. Because that's a fact. There will be many, many who will reach their husbands whose wives didn't make it, wives whose husbands didn't make it, parents whose children didn't make it, children whose parents did not make it. And that's why God says, please remember Lord's wife. One thing, Jesus, two things only he asks us to remember. One, do this in remembrance <laughs> of me. Remember. remember. She didn't make it. She didn't make it. Yes, remember. So the passion should be like 
to see the gospel, to witness through life that everybody comes in, that they at least have a witness, okay, has a witness. So how how God is going to handle that, I do not know. Those are secret things which belong only to God. But looking at God, how he is, righteous he is, how loving, it's more than righteousness, how loving and kind and compassionate it is, he will do something where probably he erases it off. Because you don't want to live in eternity. It's I don't know. There are certain things you just don't want your mind to go that way. If you go that way, you just want to say, Lord, I want I'm, you will you should go into the other side of learning to fast and to pray and intercede for them that they are not lost. Because it's the other reality. Okay, I made it. Thank you, Lord. The other reality. Yes. Those who did not make, make it, it, where are they going? And that will be your remembrance for eternity. eternity. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even want to remember those things of people who you love did not make it. I don't, want to, I don't want that to be in your mind. Take it out, Lord. We don't want to see hell. We don't want to see the everlasting fires. I don't think we will see it. It will be out of our vision. Those things belong to God. But these are reality. And these things should not make us depressed. It should make us zealous. Mm, zealous that is what Paul is talking about. Knowing the terror of the, the Lord. Lord. Two things him. he says. One he says, the love of God mm. constrains me. The other thing is the terror mm, of the, the Lord. Lord. Persuade men. You know what? This is what will happen. So please... If you look at it, then you will try to reconcile it with people saying, you know what, I don't want to get it. It's not worth it because I want to have peaceful relationships so that I can actually witness, I can actually share the gospel, actually, you know, pray for you without getting angry about things because you look at what eternity is solely with God or without God. So these are things we do not know. There are a lot of things which are hidden from us because God in his mercy doesn't want us to know those things. No, so we have to do is pray. Pray for them. But these are the realities of memories. He will wipe away every tear. The tear is connected with sorrow. There shall be no more death. That is the greatest separation. No more death. Nor sorrow. Nor crying. Nor pain. Death, sorrow, crying, pain. How does he deal with that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He can do that. If we, if we look back into our own search, even now for a moment into our own minds, we don't remember most of the things. Like this this evening, I got the text. One of my aunts, I mean, aunts passed away. And the doctors from CMC well-known knows she was the head of anatomy. Dr. Mary Jacob, she passed away very close, loving believer. She's passed away this evening. So I was looking for her picture. And I was going through the album. I'm telling you, every picture I looked into it, it's memory I had forgotten. Wow. Which is true. <laughs> you, like now I was showing the kids, no? Um, the, the, this thing, videos from 2015, 2013. What do you remember? Absolutely. I cannot remember. Think about 2015. What do you remember about 2015? Thank God for today's camera which will tell you which day. And, oh yeah, 2015, I remember. Even that we can hardly remember. You don't remember the emotions, the feelings of what happened. Like we were looking at 2000, I don't know which year, 
mass birthday at GSS. All the children were very, very, very small. All the little ones looking at all the ones, little small. But can you actually remember what you felt at that time? No, you can't remember. So there is something about human memory. It's only God who can remember everything. Only he should because he can handle everything. We can't handle that tension of memories. The pain, the sorrow, the grief, all that. We can't handle it. So memory is something which God has given us that we, it's good to forget. And God has made us that way though, that we do not remember. Okay. So if in this life we are not able to remember, I would say around 99% of the things we have gone through, <laughs> can't remember, unless we need a prop to bring it back, then in eternity I guess God will handle it. Mm. God will handle it. How he handles, I do not know. Because these are questions which always come. This is from Australia. These are questions always come. How about that? How about that? How about that? My answer to that is, therefore, be a witness. Preach the gospel. Don't get ups. Don't worry about offending them. Just be a witness and share the gospel. Exactly. Just tell them Jesus loves you. Would you? That's what I tell people. No? When your back hits the wall and you have no way out, please do one thing. Call upon the name of Jesus. Till then, cling to all your gods. You will not leave it. But you're going to come to a day when you will realize your gods will not work. I prayer to you, even in that hour, call upon the name of Jesus. Because the only thing that ultimately matters is cross over. Would you please call upon the name of Jesus? You leave it with that and you will realize it works. How will they believe if they have not heard? heard yep. And when that time comes and they are at the verge of death, God will bring to your remembrance. Didn't that man, didn't that woman say, call upon that name? Call upon that name. And they will call. And God will hear because of his son. The price was paid. That's why I always say there are so many ways to evangelize. Don't be hard on people. But the whole idea is, what is your intention? Win an argument or win a soul? We don't want to win arguments. We want to win a soul. The whole idea is to win a soul. What's the point in winning an argument? It's not a courtroom. We are trying to win a soul. The argument has already been won in the courtroom. It's finished. Okay, we need to win souls. So the whole idea is tell people, unbelievers and all, tell them, just call upon the name of Jesus. That's what I always tell people, just call upon the name of Jesus. You struggle, I understand your struggle. This is your upbringing, this is your culture, this is your religion, this is what you have done. But I will tell you one thing, call upon the name of Jesus. There's no other name under the heavens but the name of Jesus. When that time comes, you call upon that name, you will see that power of that name take you across. Ultimately, that's all that matters. Isn't that what the rich man is saying? Would you please send Lazarus? I have five brothers, please. That suddenly he's an evangelist. I have five brothers, would you? And Abraham says, no. They had the law, and the law and the prophets. If they don't listen to that, which points to Christ, even if a man goes back from the dead, they're not going to listen. He said, you had your chance when you were alive. That is when you should have spoken to your brothers. Now, how can you speak to the brothers? That time is up. It is left. Gospel is left to the living. It is not given to the dead. It's our job to witness. 
Yes, Pastor. Wow, praise God. Mm. I mean, suddenly everything of just temporal looks so irrelevant in the yeah, light. Yeah, it all looks irrelevant. Everything of, looks irrelevant. I mean, if the soul... Yeah, all say all. I mean, always when you look into the eternal, our anger, our jealousy, wow. envy, prejudices, I'm telling so you, stupid, nothing man. will make any sense if you look into eternity. Let me tell you in eternity. Eternity, our skin color, our race, our car has no meaning at all. Our education, our job, our career, oh, nothing will us. have any meaning. No meaning. Absolutely. Oof, boy. Only thing, first question. Are we saved? Do no. you know the son? Does the son know you? The son doesn't know you, then the judge has to deal with the sin. <laughs> son or sin. <laughs> son, son or sin. sin. <laughs> if you know the son... Then the simple question is, this is the son, this is you. How much did you conform to the image of the son? That's the only thing that matters. This is the model, this is you. How much accordingly your reward will come. That's all. Nothing else. You know? So, eternity. Wow. You have to go back always to those people like Apostle Paul who keep saying the things that we see are not real. The things that we do not see are eternal. These things are passing away. And we are holding on to, literally, the word to be used for passing away is clinging to shadows. No? Have you tried? I mean, it's a very good English illustration, mm-hmm. clinging to shadows. Because the problem is that, you know, from morning when you rise, the shadow sun is behind you, whichever way you stand, and the shadow is long. Now, if you try to cling to your shadow, the shadow keeps on changing. By the time it's midday, the shadow is gone. And then the shadow goes to the other side. How long can you cling to your shadow? Mm-hmm. And life is like that. And the illustrations God uses about man's life, you know, it's his pers- his perspective, you know, like grass, like a vapor, vapor you know. Why? Eternity is coming. Eternity is coming. And we don't, I mean, we won't even understand eternity until we reach there. Because what is... Even if you go to Sweden, where they, the people, places like Sweden and Antarctica and all, you have six months of the sun, sun and six months of night. There is still six months of sun. But in eternity, there is sun, no sun, no moon. There is no time. There is no day, no night. There is no sleep. There is no tiredness. It is just an unending time. Think about it. We don't even know what it is, right? We cannot imagine. We cannot comprehend because we are used to something. We go to sleep, we wake up. We go to sleep, we wake up. Day, night, day, night, day, night, day, tiredness, strength, energy, exhausted. This is our pattern. Suddenly you move into a realm with a new body, no day, no night, no tiredness, no sleep. Unending. There's no clock. Forever and ever. No sorrow, no pain, no grief, no death. We can't comprehend because how are we able to comprehend it? Because our mindset is tuned to sorrow, pain, grief, joy, all, death, day, night, sweat, tiredness, sickness, wellness. So we cannot factor this. Cannot factor it. So we have to wait to experience it. 
And try to get people across saying this is the reality. On the other side, it is terrible what is. The fire doesn't run, never goes out. Their worms don't die. It's smoke rises forever and ever. It's the horror of the other side. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, C.S. Lewis in uh, in Smear Christianity says, he says that... uh, uh, in in heaven, Jesus wipes away all the things that were of the past. Yes. You have a new building. This side, there is nothing. Nothing like that. So if you're an envious guy for, let's say, 50 years, and yeah. you die when you're 50, and you get enter into eternity, <laughs> that envious, envy gets expanded it's, to infinite, infinite It doesn't, you don't change that. You it, become it's, worse. It's, it's gone, it's gone. It goes crazy. It goes crazy. And you're bitter for 50 years, and you go bitter. You see eternity. that one portion which Jesus wrote about Lazarus and the rich man? The rich man says, I thirst. Wow. He's still saying the same thing. Nobody has quenched his thirst. How many thousands of years? He's still thirsty. And his thirst is never going to be quenched. There's no way out. Mm. There's no way out. So we have to see as eternity. And then we look. All we'll want is to pray for people. All we want is pray for people, love people, ask God for mercy, get them across. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Oh, Pastor, eternity, I have a question eternity. On, yeah, and again, again, this is question related to, it's interesting, all the questions are on, on, on based upon that as well. Uh, this is question number three, again, again, it's talking about the book of Revelation, talking about those two witnesses. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for answering the previous questions. My question regarding the two witnesses you mentioned, taken from Revelation chapter 11, verses 3 to 8. I am much convinced, as you have taught with the backing of the scripture from Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 27, that it must be Enoch and Elijah. But sir, in Romans chapter 3 verse 21, the phrase being witnessed by the law and the prophets, shouldn't Moses and Elijah be the appropriate witnesses to accredit this phrase? Okay, let's go to Revelation 11. Re- Revelation 11, 3 to 8. Revelation, let's read from verse 1. Yeah, verse it's 1. Easier. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angels arise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. Leave out the coat which is outside the temple. Do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. Okay? And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days closed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls into the days of their prophecy. They have power over waters to turn them to blood, to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And the dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, which also our Lord was crucified. So it's talking about Jerusalem. Now the issue, now you go back to Romans, Romans, 3.21, okay, 3.21. Now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And the Bible says on the Mount of Transfiguration, you had Moses Moses and Elijah. Elijah. Moses representing the law, Elijah representing. But you need to understand, Moses and Elijah and the law and the prophets are witnessing to the first coming of Jesus Christ. Mm, Exactly. Not the same. Okay, they're talking to Christ is your way of salvation. 
they are witnessing the whole idea of the, everything of the old covenant is to lead to Christ. Now Christ has come. Christ has lived. Christ has died. Christ has risen again. Now the issue is with the resurrection. The issue is with the resurrection. Because even if you believe Jesus was born of a virgin, Jesus lived a righteous life, and Jesus died, and you don't believe Jesus rose again from the dead, you are not saved. Absolutely. Mm. You need to understand salvation is intimately connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ours, we have been have born Into again to a living, living hope, hope by the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. Because if he died, he didn't rise again. That means, yes, death is more powerful. Death has overcome him. Because there is a spirit called death. And that, that death is our final enemy. Okay? Mm. You will die as forgiven people, but you will never rise again because death is more powerful. So resurrection, the, this is where the issue with Sadducees also. You know, resurrection is the important mm. thing if you go to Romans, um, Romans chapter 10. Romans 10. Romans 10, hmm. verse 9, Romans 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Salvation is intimately mm -hmm. connected to resurrection. Because that's a very difficult thing for people to believe. Mm -hmm. If you are in a religious side, nobody knows anybody who has come back from the dead. Because death is the final frontier. Okay, So you have to believe Jesus rose from the dead. You have two thieves on both sides of Jesus who is being, and when one believes, he says, he actually believes in the resurrection. He actually believes in the resurrection. That's what he's saying. When you come to your kingdom, remember me. And he says, Look, it's a good dude, you believe in the resurrection. Actually, you shall be with me in paradise today. Wow. You don't believe death is the end. You believe in the resurrection. He says, You will be with me. He believes in the resurrection. If you if you go to Corinthians and chapter fifteen. And words, First Corinthians 15 and verse 3 and 4. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according, according to, to the, the scriptures. scriptures. This is important. He, mm. he lived, he died, he was buried and he rose again. The resurrection is an integral part of our message, of the gospel message. Mm. You take resurrection out, salvation is gone. Salvation is gone. That is where you have a issue with Islam because they believe in the virgin birth. They believe he was sinless. sinless. They believe in the miracles, but they don't believe he died on the cross. Died on the cross. If you didn't die, then you didn't rise again. Okay. Everywhere, either death or resurrection becomes a problem. And the Jews had an issue that he did not rise. And Jesus did not show himself to anybody other than his disciples. disciples. Mm -hmm. You have to believe in the resurrection. You have to believe in the resurrection. Okay, so now you come to that. So, what has happened is, if you go into the chronology of this, the trumpet has been blown, church is gone, 
But do you believe in the resurrection? So there are going to be two witnesses of the resurrection. Who are the two witnesses of the resurrection? Are the two people who were raptured. The two witnesses, living witnesses. There are only two living witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every other witness is a dead witness. Do you know in, in heaven there are two living, human living witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Everybody else is dead. They died. Yeah. But two people have been died. Mm-hmm. Enoch didn't die. Elijah didn't die. So who are they? They are actual witnesses of the birth, the life, the death, death and, the and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You cannot, you cannot deny their witness. So they are living witnesses. They never died. In a heavenly realm, they have witnessed this all. So now these two are going to come, not Moses. Because the issue with Moses coming is that if Moses comes and he dies, then there is an issue. There is an issue. Okay, He died. He would be the first man who died twice without being resurrected in between. The other side, Lazarus was resurrected, but Moses was never resurrected. Ah, was never resurrected. Yes. He was he died and he buried. That's it. Okay, he died and he buried. So the man who died and buried, he's awaiting resurrection. He's awaiting resurrection. Yes, he's awaiting resurrection. If he comes back, he's already resurrected. Yeah, then there is an he's issue about, over there. How does yes. he die a second time? In Lazarus' mm-hmm. case, he was resurrected by Jesus on earth. He was resurrected, but Moses was not. Mm. Okay, he was not. So you need to realize that is, but who are the two people who haven't died? Because you also have Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed unto every man to die once. The only men or humans who will not die are the ones who will be alive when Jesus comes to take the church and those saints who will be raptured. So for them, it's a word which is called translation. They will be translated from this body into the other body. Mm. All the others will die. Exactly. Mm. That is the, that's God's law. The wages of sin is death and death has come. Everybody will die. So in that case, you have two people who haven't died. Enoch hasn't died. Enoch has to die because he hasn't died because mm. he's part of the old covenant. He has not died. The only ones who will not die is those who are alive when Jesus comes a second time. Everybody else has to die. And if you look back into human history, there are only two people who haven't died. Enoch hasn't died. Elijah hasn't died. And if you look at both these people, they are witnesses of rapture. They are witnesses of the resurrection. And these ones will be given enormous power. Okay? Because Enoch's first prophecy is also about judgment. (laughs) Elijah is also trying to turn the people and he brings down fire from heaven. So these two, Enoch, Enoch, we don't know anything about Enoch, but the world will know about <laughs> Enoch. He'll be there. 42 months, he will have a ministry on earth. Incredible okay. ministry. Incredible ministry. Power ministry. <laughs> okay, we will see. So that's how you have to read it. That's how you have to read it. That because Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration and what Romans 3.21 is talking about is pointing to the first coming of Jesus Christ. You know? Elijah and Enoch, when they come, they are going to the witnesses of the second coming of Jesus Christ, the judgment of Jesus Christ. They are the ones who want to come and be a witness to that, not about the first coming. 
It's about the second coming. They will be witnesses to that. And that has got nothing to do either with the law or the prophets. Mm. It's got nothing to do with the law. And the law and the prophets is talking about the first coming. But rapture is talking about the second coming. They're coming back for judgment. Christ is coming for judgment. Amen. Amen. Yes. So we look at the last question. It says, uh, what does it mean exactly? I apply the blood of Jesus Christ and I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. What does these phrase mean? Okay, that is one of the most important parts of what we call our our theology, our faith. This is where the faith of faith of Christianity differs from every other faith. Mm. Everything else changes yes. because the blood of Christ comes in. Okay. Mm the blood. Like I said, First um, Corinthians 11 and 25. We'll have it tomorrow because we have communion tomorrow. Mm. So, yes. 11, 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Mm. Okay? So, you need to realize, like I said, the most powerful relationship you can make is a covenantal relationship. Yes. And of which the covenantal relationship, the strongest is that is made in blood. Mm. It is Now, when you say blood, if you go to Leviticus 17 and verse 11, we need to understand blood is just a symbol. It mm. represents something. 1711. 1711. Mm. For the life of the flesh or the creature is in the blood. Okay, so life, blood represents life. That's when we do it. Blood is a symbol. What is there in blood? Life is in the blood. Mm. Life of that creature. Life is a very, it's a very broad thing. It's a very, very broad, broad thing. What do you understand? What do we understand by life? Everything, everything of our human experience, which can remember, not remember, understand, it's all captured in that word called life. It is our soul. Mm, Absolutely. It's our other word for is our soul. Soul. If you have no soul, you're neither body conscious or God conscious or world conscious. It's our soul. Absolutely. It's our soul. An entire thing is a development of our soul. That's life. Mm. Okay, but life, soul is soul is what is is non-material. Mm. It does you cannot touch it. You cannot touch it. You cannot touch soul, because like, you you the scientific term. I mean, you cannot even have a say. It's a non-corporeal matter. Yes, yes, yes. matter you can <laughs> touch. But soul, I can't touch, you can't touch it's my like soul. Software. It's like okay, software. Yeah, mm. I can't, you cannot touch the soul. Mm. But you can touch a person's soul through words. Mm. Again, non-corporeal. Mm. Okay? You use a word mm. and it hurts you. Mm. <laughs> it touches your soul. Mm. Okay? So soul is your life. Because when it says he poured out his, his blood, soul. it says he poured out his, his soul. soul as Jesus a as, as a sin, a, sin, a offering. sin offering. Jesus poured out his soul. So you have your life, you have your soul, and it seemed to be captured in your blood. Man. The material form in which your life is caught is in your blood. Wow. 
water. So it says the life of the flesh is in the blood. Mm. And the simple thing is that we understand mm, it, right? Absolutely. We understand scientifically. We understand blood it. Test. Now we know uh, it's not just a mm. it's not the blood test, you know. Like when we were like you know one of the basic first aids that was told when you have a snake bite. Right, snake bite. What is a let us a snake bit your leg? First thing is to tie. What a tron. What is the word that they call it? Yeah, tourniquet. Okay, you put this thing and use a rod over there to tighten so the blood doesn't flow up. Because mm. if it does, the blood will go and it will kill you. The first thing you are told is to put a tourniquet and stop the flow of the blood. Old days they used to try to make a cut over there, let the blood flow out because the poison will go out. So you suddenly realize any part of your body, if the blood stops flowing for a time, mm. that part of the body will die. die. That part of the body. So we know theoretically, sometimes practically also, life is in the blood. Mm. Life is in the blood. No? And that's why the heart is the most, most important part, medically speaking, mm. not your brain. Mm. Brain is most important to think and all. But you have so many people around the world, hundred thousands who are brain dead on the machine still living because the heart is still pumping blood. And some of them just come back out of a coma like that after two months and three months, they just come back. But they were like, you look at it, there was nothing over there. How did they come back? Because the heart did not stop. But when the heart stops, ultimately you cannot bring the heart back. The doctor declares you dead. That's the only time the doctor will actually declare you dead because the heart has stopped. So life is in the blood. And I have given it to you as atonement. That's mm -hmm. what we see from Genesis chapter 3 onwards. God says, see, these are things poor, honestly, poor Adam and Eve did not understand. Okay, There's a lot of things which we tell our children. Our children don't understand because a lot of things are, are theory and the rest is practical. See, theology is intellectual. Faith is practical. Faith is never intellectual. It mm. is practical. Yeah. And it has to become practical. Otherwise, it will not have power. Mm. And the only way it will become practical is you step out by faith. <laughs> There's no other way. There's no other way. So to Adam and Eve it is told, or to Adam it is told, and Adam tells Eve is that all the trees you can eat, that's great, they have eaten, they enjoy it. But don't eat from this tree. If you eat, you will die. But the problem is they don't understand the meaning of that word. Oh. What is death? All of us sitting here do not know what is death because we haven't died. Mm. We have seen other people dying and we see they go, they never come back. We know what death does, but we don't know what death is. None of us know what death is. Neither did Adam and Eve. We know more about death than Adam and Eve knew then. Because they have never seen death. Mm. They have not seen death. They haven't seen anything die. And God said, if you eat, you will die. And when they ate, everything started going out of order. Okay? The possibly that was the first time they saw first, death when they first got the thing is they realized the animal had to be killed. No, the first thing they realized there is a break In between the, them and yeah, God. Yes, yes. Something happened. There's a break between the first death that takes place is spiritual, spiritual death. Yeah. They're cut off from God. They're cut off from God. Something happens inside. And that's how every person is. Why is every person in the world wandering around? Like, why are they? 
Why is that no child is born and is automatically hooked onto God and searching for God and wanting to serve God because they are born dead? Mm. So they cannot search for something which they do not know. Mm. They are born dead. That's what it means. Born in sin, shaped, shaped in iniquity in means we are born dead. Spiritually dead. Nobody is God conscious. You may have religion. That does not make you God conscious. It's not make you God conscious. So death comes in. Death comes in. And then later he will die. 900 years later he will die. But death comes in. The first death they see is in the garden. It is in the garden. It must have been gruesome for them. When Christ comes, probably, yeah, two innocent. I don't believe these were little lambs because beginning of creation, those lambs must have been really big, big, no, huge, big lambs, innocent, who could speak. I do believe Narnia is kind of real. The animals spoke, the the snake spoke, and Eve was not afraid because I do. All these animals spoke, and I believe they may speak again. During the millennium reign, we do not know things will change. Okay, so these lambs Adam had named, he had spoken to them, communicated with them. He knew this thing. And then he realizes two of them are killed in front of him. Now he sees what actual physical death is. Bah. He sees death. He sees what is being offered because he sinned and his wife sinned. And then God covers them with that fleece and sends them out. The second death he is going to see is the death of his son. That is the most painful experience. I always, I always have thought about it. How would have Eve sat there holding Abel's body? Bah. It's the first mother to lose a child holding that babe, son and Adam and Eve. He died young. He died young. So death is coming in. They are, now they are experiencing <sighs> death. They are experiencing oh death. Okay, so we need to understand the experiences of humanity in the beginning and why do people in Gentile religions, if you have watched them, when death takes place, you have to see the tear, their hair, the weep and the wailing. And Indian history is full of that. Women throwing themselves in the funeral pyre of their husbands or this thing, they die because it's Total hopelessness. Hopelessness. There is only a thin line of hope coming from that promise. It is only with one family. And then to one nation. Nobody else has hope. It is only given to one family. You need to do only one line is preserving this hope. And then to Abraham. And then it is passing down that way. Then to Israel. Okay, you need to understand what the blood means before you understand what the blood of Jesus means. This is just a symbol. Mm. This is just a symbol. And that symbol was that. You know, this blood is given to you to make atonement for what? For, for your souls. For soul, yeah. The soul that sins shall die. die. What does it mean? The first thing, you have no consciousness of God at all. You have no consciousness of God. We were all born that way. We had no consciousness of God. We had religion. We had no, absolutely no consciousness of God because our souls were dead. We were conscious about our body. We were conscious about the world. But we were not conscious about God. And we tried religion. We were deceived by being conscious about the demonic. 
So we knew, I knew what operation was before I was saved. I knew what operation was, what the demonic was, because I felt like choking and all those things. That way. God, no. Absolutely no oh. consciousness of God. The demonic, yes, not God. Fear was always there. Religion and fear was always there. God, no consciousness at all. And God says, the blood has been given to make atonement for your souls. That is the way that Abel is showing to us. That's why the Bible says, even though Abel is dead, he, he still, still speaks, speaks because he is the man who is showing us a way back for the atonement to become God conscious. Is the way of the blood. And that's why his brother kills him. The devil uses his brother to kill him. And his blood speaks. It says, and it is, now when you come down the line after Israel and everything, then we come to, uh, that's all part. These are all symbols. Real and symbols. All pointing. This is the law. This is the law. And then there are the prophets. Both the law and the prophets are pointing to Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God. Though John's commission is to prepare a way for the lamb, for the Jesus, the message of the repentance, and people are repenting and getting baptized. But his core purpose is this. Even as he baptizes, he's been told one thing. When you baptize one person, the heavens will open. You will see the Spirit of God like a dove rest upon him. That is the Messiah. So, I always say, we always baptize people in the name of this thing, but that's, I don't see, believe that's how John baptized. John is the only person who always baptized like this. Because he's not looking at the subject. He's looking there. Because he knows among the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people he's baptizing, mm. there is only one who will be the Lamb of God. Mm. And he says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Christ comes. Christ. When Christ comes, the blood of Jesus Christ changes everything. First thing, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because His blood, we believe. Basically, when you believe in Jesus, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you have to believe in what He has done. Okay? Okay. I, I will put it across this way. I always found out that if you put examples to the people about money, Using money, they understand it better. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, let us say, Pastor Vijay has three girls, okay? And Pastor Vijay says, Hey, children, tomorrow evening we'll go out for dinner. So they have absolute faith in him. So he just and then the three children go out for dinner. And they go to a restaurant dinner. At the end of it, the father is the one who is taking them. The father gets the dinner. They eat the dinner. But what is paying for the dinner? It's the money. Mm. Right? right. <laughs> the father who took them. But it is money that is paying for the dinner. So Jesus did all these things for us. What is paying for it all? Mm. It's his blood. Mm. What is paying for it all? We talk about everything. Remission, forgiveness, justification, yes, sanctification. Is mm. What is paying for it all? It's blood. Mm. It's his blood. Mm. That is what we need the to price understand. Of redemption. Mm. Everything is paid for mm. by the blood. Mm. The blood of Jesus. So there is his person of Jesus. There is the person of Pastor Vidya or Papa to his children, their father. 
and the money. Okay. Papa, without the money, cannot buy them anything. Mm. Papa, can you take us out? Yes, honey, I love you so much, but I cannot take you out. Why? Because I don't have money. <laughs> yes, I can take you out. No, it is the same. But why can't I take him out? Because he has money. Yeah. Mm. As long as Jesus has not shed his blood, my salvation is at stake. Yep. So all of old covenant, if God has to forgive me, blood has to be shed. You need to understand. Okay. So Adam and Eve have sinned. If they have to be forgiven, blood has to be shed. So two animals' blood is shed. Okay. Because that is just a symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now we always use, we always use that illustration, right? This is my phone pay, okay? Mm. Now this is a currency note. Mm. But this is, this, you know what it says? It says, I promise to pay the bearer the sum of 500 rupees. So this is only a promissory note. This is not the real thing. Technically speaking, you don't do it, you won't get it. But technically speaking, if you go give this to Reserve Bank, they're supposed to give you $500 worth of gold. Mm. Mm. Because this is a promissory note. Because that is how notes are supposed to be pr yeah, printed. That's the standard. Now it is not done. They are not putting any group gold. They are just printing paper out. Mm -hmm. But this is what it says. This is basically what it means. Okay. So the blood that is being shed from the Garden of Eden always all is just a promissory note pointing to the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the real thing. That is the gold. Mm -hmm. Every blood... The blood of every animal that has been shed for 4,000 years of human history, just a promissory note, because the original will come. If the original does not come, none of that bloodshed has any value. Yep. If Christ doesn't come, therefore, so they look forward to Christ, we look backward to Christ. Every blood that was offered, including in the Garden of Eden, to Abel onwards, to Moses, which offers to every blood, will have meaning only if Christ comes and dies. Yes. If Christ does not come and die, the entire old covenant will fall on the ground yep. because it's just a promissory note. Mm. There's no gold in the reserve bank. Mm. Gold in the reserve bank. There's no gold. So the paper is worth nothing. Paper is. And that's why a lot of currencies are devalued, have no value because there's no gold. Wherever there is gold, the currency has value. Okay, so that's the same way. So Jesus has to come because he's the real deal. These are all promissory notes. So when Jesus comes and dies, when they believe, he believe what happens. The first first thing that happens because of what it does to us, we enter into a covenant with him. It's not a small thing. It's the most powerful relationship any man can have. Stronger than the covenant of a man and a woman. The man and a woman, it's a covenant. Literally, it is a blood covenant. Yeah. You need to understand why is that's what the enemy goes against it all. Why was in the ancient days in every culture the virginity of the woman so important? Because that was the proof they entered into a blood the covenant. covenant. Without the shedding of blood, mm, there can no be no covenant. covenant. Mm. So what happens is when the man and the woman marries... The first time the covenant is ratified by blood, shedding of blood. When God is making a covenant with Abraham's family, he says circumcised, there is a shedding of blood. 
circumcision is a shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no covenant. When Abraham says in Genesis 15, how will I know? God says, let us have a covenant. Bring these animals, cut them into two pieces, put them both sides, kill those two birds, put them. And there's a blood that is flowing. It's a blood covenant. In Genesis 15, when he comes and says, I shall make a covenant with you and your descendants, let every male member be circumcised. So everything you see, covenant has blood. Blood has to be there in the covenant. Okay, so you need to realize, but it's all pointing to one thing. It's pointing to the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, unlike a marriage covenant, if you look at it in Hebrews 13 and verse 20, if I'm right. Hebrews. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting it's covenant. It's an everlasting covenant. See, when we marry people of, what do we say? Until death do part. Mm. The marriage, that's what that is our first question, a second question. Okay? What happens when the, whose wife is? No, that relationship was only till you died. Yep. Only died. Death annuls that relationship. Yes. That's that over. After that, if mm. both of them reach there, they're mm. brother and sister. They're not husband and wife. At death, that relationship is over. That was a human relationship. It was a covenant, but that covenant is only till you die. But when Christ enters into a covenant with you and me, I enter into Christ with a covenant through the blood. It's an everlasting covenant. Forever and ever and ever. This is where the power comes. That is why we have to say when you believe, don't flicker like this, oh, am I saved? I am saved. I am not saved. I am saved. No, it's an everlasting covenant. That's it. Mm. It's an everlasting it's a covenant. Deal. It's a done mm -hmm. through the blood of the everlasting mm -hmm. covenant. God has made. It's not. It's. It's not even a. Till you die, it is forever and ever. The first thing about the blood of Jesus. When you are applying, when you are pleading, you need to understand what are you applying. What are you pleading? You're pleading according to an everlasting covenant. You know what a covenant does. Like remember, Pastor Vijay once preached and he used Abigail as a uh, illustration, and he said. When Abigail grows, goes up, anyone wants Abigail, he or he has to come through me. Why is that? Because it's part of the covenant. It's his birth, it's, it's his child. It's flesh and blood. It's a part of his covenant. So he's jealous about a covenant. He's jealous about Justin. He's jealous about his daughters because there is a covenant there. Mm. Now we have an everlasting covenant. So when the Bible says God is zealous for his people, God is zealous for Israel, God will rise. And when Israel goes to other gods, he's very jealous because you have a covenant with me. How can you go to other gods? So you need to understand it's all based on a covenant. So when we say I apply, I plead, we need to understand what does it mean? What does the blood mean? The blood, through the blood, you have entered into a covenantal relationship with God. And it is an everlasting covenant and what are the benefits of those covenants is what you need to understand first thing what i receive is hebrews 12 24 first thing i receive jesus the mediator of the new covenant to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of abel the blood of abel was crying out for vengeance the blood of Jesus cries out for mercy. Mm. The first thing the blood does for me, it cries out for my mercy. In Genesis 4.10, the blood of Jesus, the blood of your brother is crying out. 
It's crying out for vengeance. Crying out for blood. There is this school of thought which talks about the saints in heaven who are crying, how long, O oh Lord, that our blood will be avenged mm -hmm. upon this thing. They say they are old covenant saints because they only know vengeance. New covenant saints will not say that. They only know mercy. Okay. So what is the first thing? The blood will only speak for mercy. It will never, the blood of Jesus Christ will never cry to God for my vengeance. Only speak mercy. Nothing else, mercy. It's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome thing. We need to realize the blood of Jesus is a real thing. It speaks. It speaks. I entered into blood, this thing, okay? So when you sin, when you sin and you go to God, because come boldly, confidently through the throne room of grace, but how do you go? Hebrews 10, 19. Yeah. It's only one way you can yes. go, the through the, the blood. New and the living way. Yeah. 19. Enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. How can you go? Because mm. this blood will only speak mercy. That's why you have this speak. This blood of Jesus will never accuse. It will never condemn. It will only speak mercy. That is why the Bible says, I plead the blood of Jesus. Go through the blood of Jesus. Why? That blood will speak only mercy. I have to understand what the blood does. The first thing is that the blood speaks for mercy. Okay, it speaks mercy. And what does it do when it speaks mercy? Okay, James 2.13 For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm. God is sitting in his throne. It is actually the throne of judgment. But when I go through, the blood of Jesus is speaking. Mercy, mercy, mercy. mercy. Well, how am I going? Have sinned. I go through the blood. The blood is speaking. Mercy. And the mercy triumphs over judgment. So God forgets. He says, okay, mercy. Now what do you want? Daddy, I want grace. Take grace. Grace and mercy are not, not the same. And not the same. Grace and mercy are not the same. You need to understand what does the blood mean. Okay, what does the blood mean? So there are you have so many, so many things. Look at Ephesians chapter one, verse seven and eight. Okay, seven and eight. In him we are redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins. Okay. The thing is that redemption is a different like we have looked at it earlier many times, but if somebody new is here, it's a market term. It's a market term. Okay? You you pawn your gold because you need money. You want to get your money back, you got your gold back, you have to go and redeem it. How much did you pawn it for? Fifty thousand. Okay. After one year you go, he'll say you have to pay me one lakh. To one lakh. Redemption. People don't understand this. This is it's a it's a market thing. The market thing. You have to see pictures, movies of slave market and everything. No, even when you, when you go to cattle market, you will see mm -hmm. they will check the whole cattle, the teeth, diseases, everything. Accordingly, the price goes up. If you have no blemish, your price goes up. In the kingdom of darkness, it's the other way. The more sin you have, the price goes up. It is not the saint who is being bought. It's a sinner who is being bought. Your price is determined by your sin. 
the older you get, the later you get saved, the price that is being paid is more. It's not less, it's more. Mm-hmm. You need to realize what does the blood of Jesus mean. Because you have sinned, sinned so much. <laughs> because you have sinned, sinned so, much. so much. But the blood is still enough. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. We were not redeemed by gold or silver, but by the precious so a child who believes in Jesus Christ, an eight-year-old old man who believes in Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus is enough. It is enough. You are redeemed. It's a market term. You and I were bought from the slave market. We were slaves of sin, slaves of Satan. And he won't let us go. But he has to let us go because the redemption price is paid by the blood of Jesus. So when you say, I believe in the blood, I plead the blood, no, that is what it means. We were redeemed and we were forgiven. We were not only bought, we were also received mercy and we were forgiven of everything we did against God when we were in the enemy's camp. Mm. Enemy's camp. Do you know there are, there are people in history who just bought slaves to kill them for pleasure. I mean, I bought you. I can do whatever I want. Oh, I like this girl. Okay, I will, I will build her. And then I will use her as my concubine. She is once moved from one slave master to the other slave master. But that's not what God is doing. He has redeemed us. He has forgiven us of all our sins. He enters into an everlasting covenant with us and makes us his sons and his daughters. How does it all happen? What was paid for it? Not money. It was the blood. Hmm. It was the blood. Without the blood, nothing happens. So you have redemption. You have the other term, remission. You have the forgiveness. And the Romans 5.9. Romans 5.9. Okay. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. Okay, you are brought from the slave market. We will think, you know, you come back from the, like, you know, when we see our kids like Charan and all, you know, when we see their videos, you know, like when you see, when we post those videos and I see, you see him, wow, look at him, look at him. But the fact is that you never saw him when he came. When he came, you never saw him. If you had seen him when he came, he and this little one, Siri, when they came, Siri wasn't that bad, but he was bad. Because these kids were rescued off the street. Charan was rescued off the street. And he had swords from toe to head. Because that's what they do. They inflict injuries on you to create sympathy when they are used for begging to get more money. So head to toe, he was full of wounds. And then he couldn't pass motions properly. So they had done the surgery and he had a colostomy bag. That is how he came, head to toe. That's the first time I actually saw your colostomy bag on a little four-year-old kid. That's how he came. But today you look at him. Look at him. You will never ever remember. Mm. If you hadn't seen him, you will never remember. This boy was once this. That's what it means. Justified. As if we have never ever sinned in our life. That's how God sees us. Redeemed. Not just forgiven. Wiped clean. No record. Before you are born again, there is no record 
in the annals of heaven. Absolutely no record of anything you have done. Quite clean. That's what it means, justified. So when you talk about the blood, when you plead the blood, when you apply the blood, we don't really fully get the depth of what it means. That word, justify. You know, you go to Hebrews 10.10 10 and Hebrews 13.12. By that, will be have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So you were justified. Now begins the struggle. Before you were saved, there wasn't much struggle. It's just common to all mankind. After you were saved, struggle begins because now you know the way of righteousness and the old man knows the way of wickedness. So the struggle begins. So all the way on. What is cleaning you? It's still the blood. Okay, okay, I confess. If you confess. Okay, why confess? But what happens on the other realm? If you confess, he is faithful and the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all. It is still doing its work. It is the blood that speaks. That's what the Bible says. The blood is still speaking. Okay. Earlier you came as a slave. Now you are coming as a son. But even when you come as a son, it is still the blood that is sanctifying you. It is daily cleaning you. It is the blood. Okay. So when the, that is what it means in Revelation 12, 11. You need to understand who is the devil. He's the accuser of the, the brethren. He's the accuser day and, and night, night accuses. He mm. did this, he did this, he did this, he did that. Everything that he says is 100% true. Because you can't lie to God. Mm. He can lie to us, you and me and deceive us, but you can't lie before God. So he's an accuser and everything he says is saying. He did this, he said this, she did this, she did this. But what sanctifies you? It is the blood of Jesus. So how did the saints overcome? Look at Hebrews 12, uh, Revelation 12, 11. No, what does it say? Okay, that Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. Okay. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. How do you, how do you overcome this accuser? Because everything that he brings to the court of law is evidence, true. But you go to Jesus and say, Father, I'm sorry, forgive me, Lord. I did this. Have mercy on me. And the blood starts working. So they overcame. The accuser's accusation doesn't work at all. Because the blood speaks. It says, no, forgiven, paid for, paid for, paid for, cleansed, sanctified, paid for, paid for, paid for, paid for, paid for. It does it. That's why the book of Hebrews says, but don't take it lightly. Don't trample upon the blood. Don't take it as a common thing. It talks about it because you know what. And uh, the way we should understand uh, understand uh, blood, the Indian non-believers understand money. Have you noticed it? If they drop their money, they immediately, immediately take, take it. it we will walk over it without even thinking for us. It's something for transacting for goods because we don't value it other than the... The work ethics and the hard work goes in. But we don't put it on our head and do all these things. But they do. They do. They will not trample upon it because they, their life is connected with money. But God says, your life is connected with the blood. So don't trample upon it. Don't trample upon it. Okay, That aside, coming over here, how did they overcome? So when you plead the blood, what does the blood do? What does the blood do? It sanctifies you. Now what even more powerful... Uh, Hebrews 9.14 Purchase your conscience. Yes. This is awesome. 9.14 How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience Conscience. Mm -hmm. 
See, our conscience is a huge thing. Mm. Every human being has a conscience. You cannot run away from your conscience. You can make your conscience dull. Mm. You can make it like, what is the word? Sear your, Sear your conscience and all. And that's how so many people become brutal and they have no this thing about killing or that can happen to your conscience. But you, you have a conscience. Mm. You have a conscience. The issue is because you have a conscience and there is always guilt. Mm. <laughs> yeah. How do you handle your conscience? How do you handle your conscience? Okay, you went to God, you ask for forgiveness, you have forgiven, but your conscience is... Con- see, see you, are, you have peace with God, but your conscience is troubling with man. How do you handle? And sometimes many of those people who have conscience are dead and gone. How do you handle your conscience? It's the blood of Jesus. Wow. What does it do? It cleanses your conscience. So if you don't know what to do, you will walk around with a guilty conscience when you don't have to mm. walk around with a guilty conscience. So when you say, apply the blood, you confess and say, Lord, I did this. And you tell them, I'm sorry. See, the other person may not be willing to forgive you, even though you ask for forgiveness. But how do you walk with a clear conscience? It's because the blood of Jesus, you say, Lord, I plead. I believe your word. And by faith, I plead the blood of Jesus on my conscience. Would you purge my conscience? Because you see, guilt, walking with guilt is like driving, looking always in the rear view mirror. Because mm-hmm. your guilt is always connected with the past, yeah. with somebody, with God or man, somebody or both. So that is what the blood does. It purges your conscience, especially people who are very aware of their conscience, you know, the blood. Otherwise, you look at, uh, look at, uh, a person like David, who's a very sensitive man mm-hmm. to sin. You know what he did? How how pricked in his conscience was because he cut the edge of Saul's robe. This same man kills Uriah. Mm. Okay. Then how does he walk like that? Because he understands the power of the blood. You read Psalm 51, it's about the blood. Absolutely. Purge me with hyssop. Purge me with hyssop. Actually, the word, in, you put it in KJV. It, it is purge. No. Nine, this nine, is a new covenant, nine, old covenant man walking mm-hmm. in the new covenant. He understands. Otherwise, how do you live with it? This is not a you, ordinary man. He was so, a, actually, I don't know, bro. Uh, Hebrews uh, 9.14. Only. Yeah, this also. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Purge me with hyssop. The question is, purge me with hyssop. What was hyssop used for? Hyssop was used for the blood. Dicking when the, the blood. Passover, mm-hmm. when Israel before left, he says, Dip it with hyssop and put it on the doorpost of your house. So he knows what is you know, by faith. He say, you know, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal, offered with us, purge your conscience? Mm. So how does he walk with that kind of conscience? He has to look. How does he look at the look at? Let us say, how does he look at Uriah's regiment? Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> how does he look at Bethsheba? Every day now he has to look at. <laughs> how does he look at Bethsheba? Oh, How does he live with the fact the child is dead? That child is dead. Mm. You know what this man has to live with? Uriah is dead. Child is dead. Mm. And he's married to Uriah's wife. How does he live with it? How does a man like him? Yeah. A man like, like him. David. It's not an ordinary man. It's Sensitive. a man after mm. God's own. How does he like him? Unless the blood purges his conscience. People do not realize what the blood does. What the blood of Jesus can do you. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. It purges your conscience. And how does it purge? Because the blood is speaking for you. And you know on the other side, everything is being made right. Everything is Hmm. being made right. Thank you, Lord. Okay.
That's how it works. That's what we need to realize what the blood does. It, no? mm. And then you come to Hebrews 10 and verse 14. Okay, Hebrews 10 and verse 14. For by one <laughs> offering, offering of what did he offer? His blood. blood. Mm. He has perfected forever Ever. those who are being sanctified. Oh. This is a very important, very powerful spiritual truth. You need to understand. There will be no imperfect people in heaven. Mm. It doesn't mean all people have reached the same level of perfection. <laughs> that does not mean. No, no. Okay? You take a one month old, one day old baby. That baby looks at everything, vitals, everything. It's a perfect baby. No issues at all. You take a one month old baby, check all the vitals. Perfect baby. Six month old baby, check it. Perfect baby. Each one of the perfect at different stages. Mm. You take Absalom outwardly. You take him 30 years or whatever he is. Perfect. Not whatever you say. Blemish. A, not a blemish. Mm. Mm. Outwardly perfect. Inwardly corrupt. <laughs> okay. So you are talking about perfection at different stages in life. So whatever stage you have entered into heaven, you will be perfect. Mm. There are no imperfect people in heaven. Whatever stage. What made you perfect? This is the blood, blood of Jesus that Kabar. made him mm. continuously. Okay, it is also, and if you go through the road of sanctification, then you can reach the end of it. End of it. Mm. Our bodies, or one way, will differ. Mm. Differ in in glory, glory. glory. But in nature, everybody's body will be the same. Amen. Amen. It will be a perfect body. My battery? No, my battery is there. I think it's internet. Pardon? We're back, we're back. We are back, okay? So we need to understand what does it mean. So you look at when you... Now, if you go to, as we, uh, as we go to Hebrews 10 and verse 19. Okay? Therefore, brethren, having what? Boldness. What gives you boldness? The blood again. It's the blood. Okay. Let us put it across. Let us put it across. Okay. Again, in terms of money. <laughs> Pastor Vijay has, let us say, 2000 rupees to spare. Children ask, Papa, can we go out to eat? He says, go out to eat. But where he goes to eat will change. Hallelujah. Where he can have boldness. <laughs> only he has boldness only for 2000 rupees. Okay. Somebody gives him 20,000 and says, Pastor, Please, this is not for anything. This is to take your family out. Now he has boldness for 20,000. Mm. Hmm. Where does your boldness come? Where does your boldness come? Now look at David. Murder, lying, deception, adultery. You name it, he can claim it. <laughs> Where does he get his boldness? Where does he get his boldness from? He understands the covenant. The boldness comes from the blood. You have forgiven. That's it. You can cleanse. The blood can do that. Where does your boldness come from? Now it is not about boldness to sin. Mm. 
which don't, there are a lot of people in the world the who are very to approach God. The boldness to approach, approach God because you are looking, you are looking at the, 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 it's like currency, the power of the dollar. Mm. One rupee is one rupee. One dollar is 82 rupees. Mm. Okay. So purchasing power. Mm. So that looking at it is that you are looking for forgiveness power. What can cleanse the vilest sinner? Bah. Vilest sinner. Hmm. Vile is a very strong word oh, in yeah. English. Yeah. Vilest sinner. Why is this man able to write that song called hmm. Amazing Grace? Because he was a slave trader hmm. who trafficked in the bodies hmm. and the souls of men. Bah. His conscience would have been burdened actually. <laughs> so once he comes, see, everybody is not the same level of sinner. Mm. Everybody has sinned, but this level of sinning is not the same. This man is a slave trader. Mm. And then he comes to the Lord. And then he comes to the Lord, he looks at his life and he understands the value of grace. Wow. What is released into our lives is grace. Yes. What was paid to release that grace is blood. Mm. Is blood. Okay? So. When you pay money, you get something. Mm. You don't get something if you don't pay money. What you get is the product. What you paid is money. What I receive is grace. But what paid for my grace? See, grace is free for me. Grace was not free for, for God. God to give. To give grace, to show mercy and to give grace. It was blood. It was the blood. So where does my boldness come from? My boldness comes from the blood of Jesus. Mm. Okay, boldness comes from. And if you go to uh, to Exodus 12, Exodus 12, we'll finish uh, with this two, Exodus 12 and verse 7. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lentil of the houses where they eat it. And they shall eat the flesh on that night, rest in the fire with unleavened book. And now you come to verse, uh, verse uh, 12 to 14. 12 to 14. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So, why did the destroyer pass over certain houses? Simply because there was the blood. Mm. The blood. That's what we mean when I plead the blood. They had to literally put the blood. Now we don't do that. What we do instead of blood as a symbol, what we do is we use oil. That's when people come, we pray and we give them oil. Somebody left last month. Then I said, "Take this, spray it over it. Take it as a symbol. Put the oil on the doorposts of your house. Thank you, Lord. And pray. I'm pleading the blood, blood of, of Jesus, Jesus. The blood Lord. of Jesus. It is. It is because the symbol. Aaron's yeah. yeah, the oil was put the on the blood. No mm. oil was put. So we don't do blood anymore because Christ has shed it mm. once and for all. But as a symbol. Mm. So when we take communion, we are not drinking blood. No. We are drinking a symbol, symbol. of His blood Amen. because in it is His life. We are partaking <laughs> of His life. Okay. So what you do? We plead the blood, the power of the blood. What is that? For protection. Mm. 
over everything that destroys. The enemy comes to steal, to come, to destroy. So what do we do? We plead the blood. Actually, practically, we plead the blood over everything that God has given to us that the enemy will pass over. We continuously have to do it. Plead the blood, the blood. And if you go to Isaiah 53 and verse 5. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And Peter will say healed. But let me ask you this question. Are we really healed by his wounds? Or are we healed by the blood? The blood that was shed because of the wounds. The wounds, the blood that was shed. It was the blood that was shed. That healed us of our wounds, mm-hmm. of our sicknesses. So you need to realize, why do we believe in divine healing? Because the blood paid the price. Thank you, How did this all come? It came because of man's healing. Because man, before man fell, there was no sickness. There was no sickness. Okay, so we need to we now now go. Let us go. When we go, go to <laughs> the book of Genesis and chapter three and verse seventeen. And 18. Then he said to Adam, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, eaten from the tree of which I have commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And verse 18. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the... And verse 19. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. When you come to chapter 4, even more. Hmm? Because our king. Yes. Hmm? Words uh, 10 on words 4, 10, 11, 12. Okay. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood. Now the blood is crying out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. So you need to realize, we live on an earth that is cursed. Before that curse came, there was no thorns and thistles. And before that curse came, Adam did not sweat. He worked, but he did not sweat. Sweat is a sign of curse. You go read the book of Ezekiel. When the sons of Zadok are asked to come before God, they said, wear only linen garments, no woolen garments, because there shall be no sweat in my presence, because you will not bring anything of curse into my presence. So sweat is a symbol of curse. So what does Jesus do? We need to realize when we plead the blood of Jesus, we are not talking about physically. Now we work on different grounds. Dr. Richard works on a medical ground. You work on a call. That's the ground on which we work. We plead the blood of Jesus so that it does not produce thorns and thistles. Amen. Thorns and thistles are not the same. Thorns create very painful, this thing. Thistles choke. Mm. These are the two experiences in your workplace. Either you are choked or, or it is painful. And God says, plead the blood. Amen. Plead the blood. Plead the blood. It's my blood that has re- redeemed you from that curse redeemed you from the curse. And then we are asked in Hebrews chapter 4 to labor to enter into his rest that we should not be sweating. We should not not sweating in the terms of physical. These are all symbols. I am not working under a curse. I will not struggle. 
I will not struggle. What I will struggle is to enter into the finished work of Christ. The blood has done it all. So when he talks about pleading the blood, the blood of Jesus touches every facet of your human experience. From life to relationships to work to everything is covered by the blood. And now one more word we will use and then we will stop. Exodus chapter 12, let me get. That's where they were told, right? Yes, okay. the apostle, yes. I want that word hyssop. Did you get that word hyssop? Yeah. That, hmm? Yeah, 22. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the toe. So there is something. That's what he says, purge me with hyssop. So there is a lamb, there is a blood, and there is you, and there is hyssop. The hyssop represents faith. God can do all these things. But if by faith, I don't have a hyssop now, because I don't have the blood in the physical form. By faith, I take the blood and keep applying it daily into situations. He says, that is by faith we overcome. So Hebrews 4 and verse 2 says, they also had the same gospel preached to them. Mixed with faith. Mm -hmm. So indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. With faith. The blood was there, the lamb was there, the door was there, but they did not apply it. If you did not apply, the destroyer destroyed. But if you apply, the destroyer passes over. So here we live in a different realm, not there like them. We plead, apply it by faith, by faith. By faith, apply, I apply, 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 apply. The devil will attack our thought life, our mind life, not to believe in what the blood does. And then slowly we will slacken off. We will stop confessing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't work. And he's hitting you because he does not want you to believe that the blood works because it was the blood that defeated him. Completely. Once the blood was shed, the price was paid, he couldn't hold anybody back. Anybody who believed had to be released because the price had been paid. So he hates the blood of mm. Jesus. That's why the Bible says the overcomers. How did they overcome? The they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testament. That is their faith. Confession. Yes, it is just not the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb was shed for everyone human being under the heavens. But those who believed in it, mm. the word of their testimony by faith. That's how you overcome. They did not love their lives even unto death. They did not. They were not bothered about these lives. They know it's, it's it's not real. The real life is that the devil will try to deceive you with this system which he has created. Don't love that life. Love that other life that is coming. That is how. So the question, what does it mean to plead the blood? I apply the blood. This is how you apply the blood. Hallelujah. You take this teaching, write it down, and apply it. And you will realize the blood works. These are the weapons of a warfare. We are at war, 24-7 at war with powers of darkness that is into our head, getting into our head. No, today's, today's reading, morning devotion was one of the most powerful. Personally, I read because 
there are things which you keep reading, but one word just changes everything. The way is the stronghold. Mm. Yes, the stronghold is the way. Pulling down strong. We have stronghold. Stronghold is something which cannot mm. be conquered. But God has shown us a way. It is a way of faith. Now, like listening today, it is a way by which we plead the blood and walk in that, believing that. That becomes, that, becomes, that a, becomes a, stronghold. a stronghold which the enemy cannot overcome. Mm. The way itself becomes the stronghold of the righteous. And Jesus says, I am the way. You know, See, we always, I, I mean, because we are always teaching this, we always were connecting strongholds with the enemy without connecting the stronghold with God, God, which yes. the enemy has no power at all. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the way has become stronghold. Look at it. Go back and read today's mm-hmm. devotion. The way is the stronghold. God has shown us the way. In New Covenant, we understand. Jesus says, I am the way. Thank you, Lord. I am the way. Thank you, Lord. I have shown you the way. And I am the way. Thank you, Lord. Come boldly. Thank apply you. the blood. Walk in your justification. Walk in your sanctification. Walk in. Walk in it. Believe and walk in it. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Reject him and resist him. Thank you, Lord. And God says, you know what? You will overcome him. Every time you will overcome him. Don't look at the other side. Look at the world. Don't say, oh, he is better than... No, don't look at... Don't look at the ways of the world. Don't even look at that. None of these things have relevance in eternity. In eternity is who you are in Christ. How much are you being conformed? Because that's what Paul says. The outward man is perishing. Irrelevant. Everybody is outward man is perishing. But the inward man is what matters. He should be to be constantly transforming. And what is the, if you want to put it in terms of the substance that God has given for the inward man to grow, it is the blood. It is through the blood the inward man is being cleansed. The old man's effects is being taken out. It is the blood that God has given us. So we need to understand what the blood of Jesus does. Amen? Yes, Pastor Vidya, we shall pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We just want to thank you for your blood, the blood of your son, the blood of your son. Lord, thank you for opening our eyes to the truth in the word that you have given to us, the word that that became flesh and that flesh which was rent on the cross and the blood that was shed so that we could have boldness to come into the throne room of grace to receive mercy and grace in the time of need. And we want to thank you. We want to exalt your your word and we want to exalt the work of your son on the cross. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We want to proclaim, Lord, that it is through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have passed from the curse into the blessing of Abraham, whom the Lord blessed in all things. And we speak that into the lives, into our lives this evening, O Lord. We thank you, Lord, on the cross, your son was made sin for us, that we might be made righteous with the righteousness of God. Thank you. Thank you. That he was wounded. He was bruised on the cross for our sins. He shed his blood so that we could be healed. We could enjoy and experience the healing power of Jesus, of of God in, in our lives. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that he became poor on the cross. That he was stripped of all his glory so that we might be made rich. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for the divine exchange, for the transaction that happened on the cross. And Lord, we just want to exalt you. We want to glorify your name. We just want to thank you for all that you have done for us, O Lord, in Christ, O Lord. Truly, Lord, every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us through your word, through your son this evening. And Lord, I pray, Lord, everyone's faith would have been strengthened, that Lord, our inner man, the spirit man would have become stronger and Lord that we would have holy boldness to approach the throne room of God and Lord that no weapon formed against us will prosper and every lying tongue that is going to rise against us in judgment we shall condemn for this is our heritage as a servants of the Lord because our righteousness was purchased by your son that we have been justified by your blood by the blood of your son just as if you have never sinned. We want to thank you. We want to thank you. We want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And even as we've come to the end of this day, beginning of a new month, O oh Lord, even as we prepare ourselves for communion tomorrow, I pray, Lord Jesus, through this night, we will prepare ourselves, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And I pray, Lord, that we will all come to the house of God on time tomorrow. And Lord, we will worship you. We will listen from you. And we'll be strengthened and prepare ourselves continuously for your coming. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 The Savior saved thy strength in this morning. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain. He